Hey, good morning. Hey, if you're new, I'd also like to welcome you. I'm Charlie, the lead pastor here, and really glad you're here. We're in the uh, middle of a series on the Holy Spirit. We're reading in our small groups a book uh, by Francis Chan called Forgotten God, and we're kind of talking through some of those themes here on Sunday morning as well. And um, today we're going to be talking about fear, which has kind of got me thinking about, you know, kind of what are the things that make us afraid and, and, and why, why, why do we get afraid? And of course, anytime I come to this, I'm always inclined because I like to talk about it. I want to talk about roller coasters because I love roller coasters and I have forced all of my kids at very small sizes and ages to, to ride roller coasters and people get all weirded out about it. You know, roller coasters are scary. They're not scary. They're, they're just not, they may look scary, but you're not going to die. I mean, like thousands and thousands of people have ridden this already today. And none of them are hurt or dead. What are, what, are you, what are you scared of? And this is the line that I like to use on people in the middle of this. You know, it's like, you are more likely to get hurt driving here, right? Than you are on this roller coaster. Come on, ride the roller coaster with me, right? You know, it, it, that, stuff like that's not scary. But that's not the kind of scary we're talking about today. Really kind of talking more about the, the, the emotional scary. Right, the the things that, that that we would that we do or, or or we don't do or we're scared to do, kind of relationally, uh, emotionally, personally, like what what is it that keeps you from asking that person out on a date? Right, it's like I I, I think she likes me. We've been we've been talking for a while. We seem to get along. I I don't know. I'm scared. You've got this great opportunity, maybe for a different job and a different in a different um, different part of the company, a different company entirely, maybe even a different um, part of the nation. It would be great for you in every way, but you don't apply. Why? What is what is the thing that that we're afraid of? You've been fighting with your spouse or fighting with a really close friend, and you know, you know it was you, right? You know it was your fault. Yeah, it was you. It wasn't them, it wasn't both of them, but both of you. Oh, it's a little bit of us. It's it's you, and you know it's you, and you're looking that person in the eye, and you know what you need to say is, Whoa, I'm sorry. I was I was totally wrong. And yet you don't you don't say it. There's all of these fears that we have inside of us that kind of keep us from taking what feels like an emotional risk. We're in some sort of state that we're dissatisfied with, you know, a job that we don't like. Uh, um, I would like to be dating this person, but I'm not. I'm fighting with my spouse or my friend. I'm in a state that I would not describe as good. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not good here. I'm not, I'm not happy here. The thing that I would need to do to get from here to there to where I wish I could be, the step is clear. I'm not confused about what needs to happen. If I want to date this person, I have to ask them out. If I want to be reconciled with my spouse, I have to apologize. If I want a different job... I'm going to have to apply for a different job. It's not, not hard. It's not confusing. It's not one of the great mysteries of life that we're facing. 
Yet we choose to stay here and, and not go here. Not because we're happy. Not because we're confused about the plan. But some fear holds us back. And so what we started talking about last week, we started talking about the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit's role in our life. And we've got several weeks that we're just going to kind of be unfolding a lot of this. And um, we talked last week about this is, you know, that Jesus said, hey, it's better for you that I leave because then the Holy Spirit will come, which is, which is kind of a, a, an amazing thing to say because Jesus was incredible. He says, it's better, it's better that I go because then the Holy Spirit will come and that'll be great. And it's basically because the Holy Spirit will, He's not just one person walking beside you. It's God, the presence of God, the Spirit of God being inside you. And it has, and, and if He has the Spirit inside you, has the ability and the desire to change all the things in your life that need to be changed. To give you victory over over all of the issues and things that are holding you back. To help you understand all of the things that God wants you to know and understand. All of this incredible power in your life to become and be and live and and be the person that God has called you to. God's very presence comes to live inside you takes control of your life and allows you to have victory in all of the areas in right now. You wish that you could have victory. I'm not not particularly happy in some of the areas of my life. This is who I wish I were. And understanding and accepting God's presence in my life That's the step. And there are many of us who walked away last Sunday and will walk away this Sunday going, ah, nah. We we just will. For the same kinds of reasons we stay in a job we don't like, we we, we don't pursue relationships, and and we have bitterness in relationships between us. Some sort of irrational emotional fear or a collection of them that keep us from experiencing and living out the fullest of what it is that God's called us to. So we're going to look at a couple of passages here today and we're going to just kind of analyze a few of these fears and hopefully, hopefully we can get a few more of us on board with the idea of what it could really mean to have God's presence fully in me and working for me. So the first passage we're going to look at is uh, Luke chapter 11, uh, verses 9 to 13. Jesus talking to his followers and talking to them specifically about, about the Holy Spirit and, and how the Holy Spirit and prayer, these things connect. Verse 9, Luke chapter 11. So I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Again, this is all in a very specific context. This is not one of these verses that basically says you can ask anything in the world under any circumstances and God is obligated to give you the thing that you want, right? It's not like with the genie and the three wishes and I wish for more wishes. It's, it's, it's not like that. It's talking about something very specific. So we get here to verse 11. 
Which of your fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? Now, before we get into the depths of this passage, I need you to kind of help me resolve uh, what has been a years-long dispute between my wife and I about this particular passage. I think Jesus is being funny here. I think this is funny. Okay, so here's how I read it. <laughs> Which one of you, your son going to ask you for a fish? You're going to give him a snake. That's funny. Or she's like, no, no, no. He's like, which, like, like even you. Me and your son's going to ask you for a fish. You're going to give him a snake. Is he, tra- is he being funny or not? Nah? Yeah, yeah, Jesus can't be funny. I know, you church people. <laughs> anyway, now you, maybe you can weigh in later. You can weigh in later. You can weigh in later. All right, I get it. Okay, so, so what he's saying is like, basically, you, you ask. Just knock. Seek. Ask. You know how to good give good things to your kids. You're not going to give your kid a snake. You're not give them a scorpion when they need food. And you, you know how you are. Jesus says a little bit harsher. Maybe it wasn't being funny. You know, you're being evil. You're evil. And you know how to give the things to your kids that, you, that, that, that they need, that they want. How much more will I give the Holy Spirit to someone who asks? Why would, why, would, why, would Jesus, why would Jesus need to bring this up? Why wouldn't it just be, hey man, by the way, just you know, you have the Holy Spirit if you ask. Great. You guys write it down and then, and then they're, they're good to go. He's having to persuade them. He's having to persuade them that they should ask. And he's having to persuade them that if they ask, God will do it. Which is an interesting thing for Jesus to have to do. I mean, they're sitting there in the very presence of Jesus. And Jesus is having to convince them, no, 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 seriously. If you'll ask, God will do this for you. I think what he has, what he has picked up from them is something that is true in us, which keeps us, I think, from going maybe to some of these next levels in our prayer lives and what we expect from God, which we'll just say very simply, is the fear of disappointment. We have the fear of disappointment. What if I ask God to do this incredible thing in my life and it doesn't work? What if I read the Holy Spirit book and I come all of the weeks and I hear all of the things that the Holy Spirit will do and all of the life change and the overcoming of sin and the teaching and the power and all of these things. What if I listen and I do it and in the end, my life is still the same? What if God doesn't show up? Oh, well, you know, God, you know, sometimes, sometimes God doesn't show up. Sometimes God's just kind of going to do what He's going to do. And then you start making all these excuses in your head, which is kind of what we do sometimes, which is kind of what we keep us from praying. Sometimes we pray like this, and by we, I mean you. You, you, you pray like this, like, God, please give me this good thing, but I know you're probably not going to, and it's okay. Help me to be okay with the fact that you're not going to uh, answer this prayer. Amen. Wow, man. A lot of faith demonstrated in that prayer. He's like, your, your prayers aren't quite that obvious, but it is a little bit how we pray. 
we give God an escape clause in the prayer. And somehow, in order to to maintain God's reputation with other people, to maintain God's reputation with you, whatever, we feel like we have kind of have to protect ourselves on the front end from disappointment. And so then, we often find ourselves not praying the overly qualified prayer, but not praying at all. And, and we choose the status quo. Because at least with the status quo, there's no disappointment. There's this thing that my dad says, and it is the um, perhaps the, the perfect uh, illustration or word or slogan or whatever for the pessimist lifestyle. And he says this, Expect the worst, that way you'll never be disappointed. And part of you is want to be like, that's terrible. And then part of you is like, that's actually not bad. You find yourself kind of buying into that just a little bit. You know, if I just expect the worst to always happen, then I'm never disappointed. You know, that way, I mean, you can say it another way, is that that way, anytime anything good happens, you're incredibly pleasantly surprised and overjoyed, except that sort of attitude, you're never pursuing the thing that will bring the unexpected joy. And because you're not pursuing the thing that brings the unexpected joy, because you're not taking the risks, because you're not stepping out there, because you choose to live in this little hole, you you never get out of the hole. And what and what Jesus is is desperately trying to communicate to his to his people here. Man, man, you're in a hole. And you have decided on the front end that it, I, I shouldn't even ask because probably nothing's going to change anyway. And now, not only am I still in this hole, but now I'm beefing with God because I asked Him to help me get out of this hole. And He won't let me get out of the hole. Now I've got two problems instead of just the one. So better to just stay here with the one problem. Except... While there are some instances where there is something very specific that you could ask God for in prayer that He will not deliver to you in the way that you wish that He would. And we talked about this a few weeks ago in another series. You can go back in the archives if you'd like to review or to to see that for the first time. There are some instances of that. There are other instances, though, where God, without qualification, makes a full-blown promise to you. If you will ask... God's Spirit will be in you and live in you and give you the power to overcome these things. That is a 100% promise. And the only thing that is keeping us from it is fear on the front end and understanding the hows of it in the process. But right now, we've got to work on overcoming the fear. We're going to spend a whole lot of more time just kind of talking about more of the details of what it means to, to have the Spirit in you. But here's the thing. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ and you have given your life fully to Him, God has promised you the Holy Spirit. He has given it to you. In fact, the Holy Spirit is already there in you. 
You are just choosing to shut him out. But if you will ask, God help me, just show me a glimpse of what it would mean for the Holy Spirit to be alive in me. He'll show up. You do not have to be afraid that God will disappoint you. Because this is a thing that God has very much promised, 100%, without qualification, that He will do for you if we will ask. So we're going to move on from that passage to a passage in Romans where where Paul is talking about, um, again, what life in the Spirit looks like. And one of the things, this is kind of a common metaphor that Paul uses a lot in in, in a lot of a lot of his letters, is he talks about this contrast between the flesh and the spirit, and how there's this kind of there's this battle there's this battle in you. And um, before we look at the passage, I want to make sure that we're all very clear on this because to me, I think about uh, really old cartoons. I don't know if you've ever seen any really old cartoons where where the um, the, the the protagonist, be it maybe Bugs Bunny, and again, this is really old. He's trying to make a decision about the, whether or not he's going to do the bad thing or the good thing. And like, right, little, little little things pop up on the shoulders, right? There's there's the angel that looks just like Bugs Bunny, and 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 the demon that looks just like Bugs Bunny, and they're 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 fighting with each other, and eventually, you know, you thump the angel and you do the bad thing. That's kind of how it goes. The most recent one of these, I think, that I can remember, it's still a, a relatively old now, is Emperor's New Groove. Uh, Kronk Kronk has the very same thing happen to him, right? My knowledge of cartoons is vast. If you know of a, 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 a newer a newer reference, um, I would I would love to hear it. Um, but really, the, so and so the way that that cartoons uh, describe this, and I think the way a lot of us uh, think about it is, I'm trying to make this decision. There's these two external forces pulling me in different directions, and so I think we read into that a little bit uh, when when we hear Paul talk about this. But really what he's not talking about is you're kind of this neutral party and there are two external forces pulling you in different directions. He says there are two things pulling you in different directions. One of them, it's not an angel, it's God's Spirit. And the other one is the flesh, which is in fact you. So you are the devil on your own shoulder and God is trying to pull you in the right direction. You are not a neutral observer. And that thing that is pulling you to do the bad thing very often is you. And, um, and it is God trying to pull you in a different direction. And so it is in that context that, um, that Paul's talking about this, Romans chapter 8, verse 12. Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation, but it is not to the flesh to live according to it. Again, the flesh, your desire to do the wrong thing. But it is not to the flesh to live according to it. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, The Spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by Him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. So again, I think there's a misconception here that Paul is trying to to, to clear up. 
He says, right now, your, the, your flesh, you, your, your desires are pulling you in this bad direction. And if you continue to live this way, the only natural outcome for this is death. But the Spirit is pulling you in a completely different direction in order to give you life. And then he says something here. It's like, and he's not there. I mean, God, you, the, the Spirit, you're going to be led by the Spirit, but you're not going to be a slave. And, and, and what he's addressing here is, is, I think, a real fear that many of us have. I say God's Spirit is going to come in you and give you this power and, and, and lead your life, take control of your life, and you say to that, I don't think I want anybody else to be in control. Which brings up a, a, a real fear that we have, which is a fear of a loss of control. I don't want to not be in control. I don't want to be a slave to something to someone else. I don't really want God to be in control. I want me to be in control. I'm in control right now, and things are could be better. I grant it could be better, but at least I'm in control. If I'm not in control, then I, I don't know where things go. Now, now I'm a slave. Now somebody else is telling me what to do. And what Paul is saying is not to be a slave. It's actually to be a child of God. In fact, the state that you are in now resembles more being a slave than following God does. And I think that's... I think it's really important for us to kind of come to grips with that. For those of us who really do think, like, man, I don't necessarily want to give God full control of my life because I want to hold on to this control. I think it's really important for you to have a real honest moment right now and over these next few minutes, am I really in control? Am I in control of my life? Do I always choose the thing that I want to choose? Do I have the ability and the control of my life in order to be able to stop doing all the things that I want to stop doing and to do all of the good things that I wish I were doing? Am I legitimately in control? Or do you feel like there is this something that is holding you back and keeping you from being who you know God has called you to be? I really would be surprised that if in a moment of true internal honesty, That, that you would say, you know, I'm, I'm in complete control. I'm as, as good as I want to be. I have overcome on my own all the things that I want to overcome. I have, I have this and life and me and my emotions and my circumstances and my sin. I have it all under control. The reality of it is, is we don't have anything under control. My life feels out of control all the time. Maybe, maybe, maybe I'm in charge. Maybe I'm in charge. But I'm, I'm, not, in, I'm not in control. And, and, the, and those are two very different. I, I may be calling the shots. All the decisions may be mine. But that's not the same thing as control. 
And the reality of it is, if no one's in control, and someone needs to be in control, you know who I pick? I, I, I pick God. That, that's who I would want to be in control. Because when God is in control, it's just, it's just better. I'm, I'm hesitant to bring this up because it's going to sound like I'm like begging for sympathy or something. But somewhere around Friday, there had been this really bad kind of head cold, knock you out, weak kind of thing that has been passing through our family. And it looked like I thought Layla and I were going to get through through it and just kind of come out unscathed. And we're not, I am very scathed. And Friday was like, mm, something's not right. And then yesterday, I, 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 was, I was on the couch the whole day. And then I ended up sleeping about 12 hours. And here I am, just fine. No, no. I, 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 it, it, the, is the room spinning or is it just me? I'm like, the whole room is spinning. My head doesn't feel right. I feel like I'm leaning a little bit to the right. Like, like nothing seems right. Like, I, I, am, I am not in a good way. But here's the thing that I told myself all morning long. It does not matter. God is in control of this. This is one of the very sure promises that God has always made. You put yourself in a place where you're supposed to speak His Word and God and the Spirit will take control. And so, I'll have to listen to it later to know if this is going well. But I, but I trust. God always shows up. And I'm not in control. I'm certainly not in control right now. God is in control. And it's always better when He is. And we've got to, we've got, we've got to give up the myth that we have any control. And we have to be willing to fully surrender and say, God, God, put you in control. But I think there's a, there's a, there's a cousin to the fear of the loss of control that I feel like that we all need to kind of also embrace. I think these two guys go very, these two things go very close together. It's a little bit different. Not only do we have this fear of loss of control, but we also have just a real fear of change. And the reality of it is this. I say to you, all of the sin in your life, God will give you the power to completely overcome it. All of the dysfunction in your life, all of the issues that are holding you back, God will give you the power to overcome. And you think, no thanks. Actually, um, there are some of these things I like, and I'm really afraid. I'm not afraid that God's going to disappoint me. Um, I'm not afraid necessarily of losing control. I'm actually afraid that God will do the thing that He said He would do. I'm afraid that God is going to come in and legitimately change my life. And honestly, there's parts of the sinful aspects of my life that I'm have to admit I'm enjoying 
And we have given the flesh too loud of a voice in our lives to the point to where we have, we have these things in our life that are clearly wrong, that are clearly, as Paul would say, of the flesh, the things that lead us to destruction, but we have come to enjoy them so much. We've come to draw such kind of fake comfort from them that I would rather just kind of hold on to it. And so I stay in a life that only leads to death. So in there somewhere is the thing, I think, very likely that is keeping you from really embracing the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. You're scared He won't show up? Or are you scared He will? And I don't like the idea of change or I don't like the idea of control. The first one's easy to kill. God will show up. He has promised it. And there's testimony and life after life after life to tell you that He will. To show you that He does. That He does the things that He promises He will do. Now the fact that some of us are afraid that He will show up I think that's a, that is definitely a good moment for our reflection time. And I think it would be really good for us during this time of reflection as we worship, as we pray. It was the opportunity to give. The prayer team is back there. There's prayer candles, the cross, communion, lots of different ways for us to spiritually and emotionally respond. But give the Spirit just a little bit of an opening right now and just like, what, what is it in my fear? What am I afraid of, God? And help me overcome it. Get to a point where you recognize that your life is really not one where you're showing a lot of control. And that you need His control. And ask God to kill that part of you that has allowed yourself to become content with sin in your life. And allow Him to just kind of break these fears down to open up our hearts and our lives to a fuller life where the Spirit's power is in us to overcome and live and be who God has called us to be. Let me pray for us. God, I thank you. God, just like last week, this week, every week, God, I thank you for your Spirit. God, I thank you that we have the potential really to have a full life with you. An overcoming life. A life of victory over sin. A life of full understanding of who you are and your plan for us. And God, we thank you for your son and his death on the cross that makes that possible. And God, right now, I just pray against all the fears that are holding us back that are making us where we're sort of living life with you. We kind of are experiencing some victory, sort of. But God, that you have opened up the possibility for us for so much more. And so God, I pray in a real tangible way, God, that you would overcome these fears. That we would not be afraid that you will not show up. That God, that we will not fear the loss of control in a life that's already out of control. 
and that God, that we would not hold on to any of the sin in our life. And that God, that we would embrace the inevitable change, God, that, that you know we need and we know we need. We love you, God. And it's in your son's name that we pray. Amen.